Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another Restoration Church Life podcast, where this podcast exists to inform and inspire the community of Restoration Church as we go about the work of making disciples that delight in the supremacy of Christ. Right here in our town, right here in Washington, D.C., and beyond for those members that have dispersed to other congregations to do the same. So welcome. So this podcast today is going to give you a little bit of practical help uh, on prayer. So uh, here it is Sunday morning and uh, we are considering the importance of prayer, the power of prayer, the the need to be uh, at work in prayer in all of life. But uh, This passage in James doesn't give us a lot of specific help about prayer. Uh, It does give us a little bit. It tells like what people, sick people that are maybe in a dire situation to call for the elders. uh, It does say to confess sin to one another, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit more specific so as to try to help us um, get on in the work of our private prayer lives in particular but I'm going to add a little bit of the communal element at the end. So I'm going to use, I'm going to be a, I'm going to to use this little book by J.C. Ryle, and it's entitled, Do You Pray? This thing took me like an hour and a half to read. It is so good. J.C. Ryle, a question for everybody. Do you pray? That's the name of the book. And uh, J.C. Ryle was a pastor in England from uh, late, late, um, yeah, late 1800s. So he was born in 1816, I think it was, or was it 1716? No, it's 1816. Yeah, he was pastor in the later part of the 19th century in England. And so he has 12 things that he's uh, trying to commend in prayer. And uh, I think these will be helpful to you in practicality. But he says at the beginning, so I'm just going to kind of read through these and interact with them, okay? So he says at the beginning, most Christians know that times of prayer can often feel like times of battle and conflict. This is not surprising. The devil has a special anger towards us when he sees us on our knees. I think we should be very suspicious of prayers which cost us nothing and cause us no trouble at all. There we go. Jumping right in. All right, here we go. 12. The first thing he says, pray with reverence and humility. Pray with reverence and humility. First practical help. And he says, so let, so first, let me encourage you to pray with both reverence and humility. Let us remember what we are before God. Speaking to him is solemn business. Beware of rushing carelessly and, dis, and disrespectfully into his presence. Let us remind ourselves I am on holy ground. This is the very gate of heaven. If I do not mean what I say, I am trifling with God. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And he lists some verses. So yeah, this is kind of the notion of, you know, the fear of the Lord. It's got this joy element to it, but it's got this awe element to it. And so our prayer should be something similar. We should come to God as Father. Uh, He's Father. We're His child, but we should do so with a kind of reverence and humility. All right, second, be spiritual, he says, in your prayers. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, he says we must beware of mere formality and saying our prayers without thinking. He goes on to say it's quite possible to get into the habit of praying with words that sound spiritual and seem very biblical, yet in reality are just an empty shell. They are prayers prayed without thinking, without feeling, without engaging our hearts, like an aeroplane pilot pilot 
airplane on on autopilot. I don't know how he would have known about airplanes at this time. When were those? I guess that would have been in the 1800s. When was the Wright brothers? Anyway, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, uh, we need to be mindful of what we're doing, that we're approaching the throne room of God and not just be trifling about them. And so I think that's what he means by be spiritual in your prayers. He goes on to say, some people like to make use of written prayers from a book. Personally, he says, I do not think that it is particularly a helpful habit. I'm going to disagree. So be patient. Uh, he goes on to say, if we can tell our doctors that our aches and pains, about our aches and pains without a book, we ought to be able to speak with God about the state of our souls without one. I get what he's saying, but I actually am helped by prayer books. So I'm going to recommend three. First, Piercing Heaven, Prayers, for the Purit- Pier- prayers of the Puritans. Robert Elmer is the editor, Piercing Heaven. My favorite is Valley of Vision, small little book. I carry it with, it with me almost everywhere I go, short, beautiful prayers. And then a third one you can find in our book stall, it's the Gospel Primer. And these are kind of ways in which it helps us pre- pray uh, and preach the gospel to ourselves, the Gospel Primer. Uh, and I use these prayers, these book prayers, to kind of get me going. Sometimes... My heart's just cold, but I know I need to pray. And so I'll read these, and that kind of gets me praying. I always think of it like a like a car, you know, like the those of you that used to drive a clutch. When your clutch is broken, you kind of push the car, and then it click, 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 boom, and then it starts. I feel like the prayer books are that way. So, uh, But nevertheless, I think his bigger point is important. We must be spiritual in our prayers. Okay. In other words, being mindful of who we're talking to and not just be cold and rote. All right, third, give prayer a regular slot in your day. Um, yeah, so I think this is a good one, but I don't, I don't want to leave it here. Give prayer a regular slot in your day. I always start my day in prayer. So sometimes those, well, most of the time in the morning for me, those prayers could be shorter. Uh, but a lot of times I'll come back to prayer at numerous points throughout the day. Um, but I do think it's important that you have at least one or two regularly scheduled times of prayer. If you're praying over your meals, that's good, but that's not sufficient. So even lingering over your prayers and over your meals is good, but like you need more than that. And so have at least one time where you're, where you know, I'm going to spend 5, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes longer in prayer. Uh, I would encourage you to do that in the morning um, to start your day going to God. Okay, give your prayer regular prayer slot. Uh, give, a, give prayer a regular slot in your day. Fourth, do not give up, he says. Do not give up. All right, so he goes on to talk about the need to persevere in prayer. Having taken up the habit, do not stop, he says. Your heart will sometimes say to you, you have had family prayers. It will not hurt much if you do not bother with your own private prayers. Or you have prayed at the prayer meeting. You do not need to pray by yourself. Your body will sometimes say, you are unwell or tired. You do not need to pray. Your mind will sometimes say, you have got important work to do. Just pray very quickly. Consider suggestions, he says, like these as coming directly from the devil. They are all basically saying to us, do not bother to take care of your soul. It is fine to neglect it. And I am not saying that prayer should always be exactly the same length, but I do say Do not let any excuse encourage you to give up. And so I like this little image he has. He says, our prayers should be like the fire on the altar, never completely going out. So don't give up in the work of prayer. 
Fifth, be earnest in prayer. Be earnest in prayer. So earnest meaning heartfelt and earnest. So if you remember from our passage in James 5, Elijah prayed fervently. And remember that word was prayed, prayed, prayed. His prayers were not cold or sleepy or lazy or listless. When the Bible speaks about prayer, it speaks about it in terms of crying, knocking, wrestling, laboring, and striving. They are all words of passion, fervency, persistence, and hard work. And the Bible gives us plenty of examples of people who pray this way. And so he goes on to say, God could be justified in asking us if, if whether we genuinely want what we are praying for. Woo, that's convicting. So yeah, be earnest in prayer. And by the way, don't let that keep you from praying. Don't say, well, I'm not in earnest right now, so I can't pray. Don't do that. Because I know for me, oftentimes, my earnestness oftentimes builds up uh, in prayer. And so, yeah, make sure and be earnest in prayer. Six, six, pray with faith. A lot of you guys know that I like to use as a synonym for the word faith, the word trust. So pray trusting. Uh, he says here, a feather, a feather is essential to an arrow. Without it, the arrow will not hit the target. So too, faith is essential to prayer, ensuring that our prayers can hit the mark. We need to develop this habit of praying with faith. We can start by using the Bible's promises in our prayers. So that's really practical, right? So we find a promise and just say, Lord, I'm trusting this for this situation or in this part of whatever. But he goes on to say, above all, we should develop the habit of expecting answers to our prayers. Man, this is so convicting too, isn't it? We should be like a merchant who sends his ships to sea and expects a return. Or someone who expects a profit from an investment. We should not be satisfied unless we see answers to our prayers. He has this quote, Robert Trail, a 17th century Scot said, Quote, there is no sure mark of trifling in prayer than when men are careless about what they get in prayer. <laughs> pray with faith. Pray trusting. All right, seventh, be bold in prayer. Be bold in prayer. My next encouragement to you to be as bold in your prayers. He says, I'm not talking about being over familiar, which is totally inappropriate. But there is a holy boldness, which is a good thing. I mean boldness like Moses showed when he pleads with God not to destroy Israel. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did, we, did he bring them out? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And he gives some church history examples as well there. But be bold. Go to God and, and, and say, Lord, please, you must you know, claim his promises. Be bold. Number eight, remember fullness in prayer. That's a bit of a strange word. What does he mean here? He says, uh, think of the mistake of the Pharisees. They prayed long prayers to impress other people. And Jesus tells us not to pray lengthy, repetitive prayers. But on the other hand, he also teaches us that praying for a long time is a good thing. Because remember, Jesus goes out and does that. So he goes on to say, he says, I worry that most people's private prayer is painfully inadequate and limited. It is just about enough to prove that they are still alive, not much more than that. They really do not seem to want very much from God. They seem to have little to confess, little to ask for, and little to thank Him for. He goes on to say, You often hear Christians complaining that things are not going well for them. They say that they are not growing as much as they want to. I suspect the problem is that they are, in fact, growing just as much as they have asked. <laughs> in other words, not a lot. <laughs> 
Ouch or amen, guys. Anyway, here we go. Is, is it not true that many people have little because they ask for little? The reason for their weakness is to be found in their own hurried, meager, stunted, miserable, pitiful, small-minded, featherweight prayers. They do not have because they do not ask. Quoting James there. We are not limited by Christ. We are limited by our own actions. We do not need to worry about praying too much, he says. It would be a good thing if we were concerned about praying too little. That is convicting. And uh, he uses that to talk about the fullness of prayer. Just always be prayerful. Uh, Okay, number nine. Be specific. Man, this is a good one here. Be specific in prayer. All right. So he says, we should not be satisfied with praying vague general prayers. We should explain our specific request to the Lord on his throne of grace. A vague confession that we are sinners should not satisfy us. We should tell God that the particular sins where our conscience tells us we are most guilty. He goes on to say we should we should remember that nothing is too small or insignificant to talk about with God. What would you think of a, of the patient who told the doctor that they were ill but never explained exactly what was wrong? What would you think of a wife who told her husband she was unhappy but would not say why? Uh, what would you think of a child who told his father he was in trouble but gave no details? Please remember this wonderful truth. Christ is the perfect father to all his people. He is the most eminent doctor for our hearts. He's the true bridegroom of the soul. Let us show we understand and appreciate this by being unreserved in the way that we communicate with him. Let us have no secrets from him. Let us share our hearts with him. Be specific, guys. This is good. Be specific. You can use, again, promises. You can use specific. Lord, I'm not only discouraged, but I'm discouraged because of this. Lord, would you encourage me? Lord, I pray that you would not only just save people in the ministry of Restoration Church, I pray that you pray this person or that person. You get the idea. Be specific in prayer. Number 10, remember the importance of intercession. So these these two kind of go together. Remember the importance of intercession. Uh, He says, I'm talking about praying for the needs of others, for our world, for our church. We are naturally selfish and selfishness tends to stick to us even when we are converted. We naturally think only of our own souls, our own spiritual difficulties, our own progress in the faith, and we forget others. He goes on to say that we need to watch out for this and work against it, not least in our prayers. So we should pray and plead for other people, for other places, for other churches, for other regions. And again, going back to the other one, be specific, guys. Be specific. And so uh, don't be, um, you do, do be, do intercede for others. Yeah, don't just be selfish. So which it's well, pray for yourself. I don't mean to say that you shouldn't pray for yourself because you should pray for yourself. Uh, that's not selfish to pray for yourself. You should definitely do that. But just make sure and remember to intercede for others. Again, as he says here, it's a good little list. Uh, inter- intercede for others, for our world, and for our church. Eleven. This one and one more. Be thankful in your prayers. Be thankful in your prayers, right? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In Colossians, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Uh, Guys, there are so many things to be thankful about. So many things. You should, it would be good of you to just write a list 
take a two or three things every day and just write them down and, and, and tell the Lord you're thankful for these things. Something as simple as you've got clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and food in your stomach. You have a church that you can worship and hear the gospel, and you have friends. Even if it's just a couple, you have friends. Uh, most of all, you have Christ. You have his gospel. So there's always something to be thankful about. I find that the most unhappy people are almost always the most unthankful people. And likewise, the opposite I find to be the case, the most content people and the most godly people are oftentimes the most thankful people. And so in your prayers, be thankful. Just list out things. Try to not be uh, repetitive, although it's good to say, it's, it's fine to say the same things time and again, but just make sure and find new things to be thankful about every day. And then finally, number 12, watch out, he says. Prayer is one of those things, he says, where it is particularly important to be on your guard. Um, but beware, this is where faith can begin to decay. If you tell me about a man or a woman's prayers, I would soon tell you how things are with their soul. Prayer is like a spiritual pulse. Our prayers are a measure of our spiritual health, like a spiritual health check. A person's prayer life opens a window into our hearts and shows whether our soul is healthy or dangerously ill. I beg you, he says, let us keep a constant watch upon our private devotions. Here is the matter, heart of the matter, the real backbone of our Christianity. Sermons, books, church meetings, singing, praises to God and the company of other Christians are all good things, important things in their way, but they will never make up the chasm that opens up if we neglect private prayer. If you heard my sermon uh, from James 5, you know that quote, or if you've been to my office, you know that quote from Wilberforce, above all, guard against the neglect of God in your secret prayers, in your private prayers. There you go, guys. There's 12 things that he mentions. Um, Again, just listing them out. Pray with reverence and humility. Be spiritual in your prayers. Give prayer a regular slot in your day. Do not give up. Be earnest in your prayer. Pray with faith. Be bold in prayer. Remember fullness in prayer. Be specific in prayer. Remember the importance of intercession for others. Be thankful in your prayers and watch out. And a couple more practical helps, guys. Two things I would add. Attend and agree uh, in the prayers at our corporate gatherings. So Sunday mornings, don't just bow your head and, and say amen at the end. Well, try to agree with those. Be attentive to them in the truthfulness and the goodness of them on Sunday mornings and the first Sunday night of the month when we gather for prayer. Make sure and make that a pri- uh, priority in your life. Uh, If you're having trouble, especially in prayer, there you go. It's scheduled for you. Uh, Attend and agree in corporate gatherings of prayer. And then finally, last thing I find to be most helpful, this notion of praying without ceasing, is I'm often praying in between things. Like if I'm walking home or riding my bike, well, I don't have a bike, it was stolen. Uh, If I'm driving my car home or going somewhere, I will often just offer up these quick prayers. Uh, uh, Yeah, so hope that's helpful to you. Um, But guys, remember, prayer is life and prayer is power. We will not be what we need to be unless we devote ourselves to prayer. Jesus has purchased it. He has purchased the privilege of prayer, right? The tearing of the veil when Jesus died is an image of our ability as Christians in the righteousness of God to go straight into our Father's throne room and plead with Him and listen to Him and be thankful to Him. 
And so may we be a people that have the habit of prayer, both personally and corporate. I love you. Let's give ourselves to this work as we give thanks to God for the privilege of prayer.